know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So what you think of the new digs? I feel like I need to like hang up my sweater and put on some. some oh, shoes. put some shoes on. Yeah, sing some the slippers. neighbor, sing the neighbor song. Exactly. Yeah, it's kind of neighborly in here. It is kind of neighborly. <laughs> in here. I mean, I got my feet crossed. I got you know we're relaxed. We're sitting in a nice chair. Yeah. Butt cheeks aren't hurting. Oh, dude, that was killing me last week. <laughs> that was absolutely killing me. Yeah, uh, I I watched the. Uh, I watched the video, yeah. and both of us kind of I know, yeah, I saw were doing that too. this the whole time. <laughs> and the other thing was was adjusting the the headphones quite a bit. So, yeah. so it's gonna uh, be funny if we have an ad play for Preparation H. Oh, that'd be a good one. <laughs> <clears throat> Just don't put it on your lips, mm. but you'd be able to whistle whistle really <laughs> <What>? good. <laughs> See, I was thinking you just need to put a fern between the two of you. Oh yeah, between the fern. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I thought there was one fern on each side. It was between the ferns, plural. Yeah, yeah. yeah, maybe it is. Yeah. Well, then that would be copyright. We couldn't. We couldn't have that. Oh yeah, but maybe you could get like a couple of hibiscus plants. And oh, just do between the between biscuits. The hib- <laughs> between the biscuits. <laughs> I feel a theme coming on. Yeah. That's fair play. I, I apparently, yeah, I guess, I guess, I don't know. Shoot, we can try it. Um, I mean, they can't copyright all the shrubbery. True, true. We could be between the, um, oh, what's those little trees everybody has? Ficus. Mm. Between the ficus. Oh, I thought you were going to say bonsai. Yeah, that's what I Bonsai! <laughs> between the bonsais. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's enough of that. Um, so, anybody you know have any issues with the hurricane? No, I've got some clients over there just... Actually, minimal stuff for them. Yeah. Power loss, internet loss, but yeah. I had an aunt pretty much lost her whole house. Really? Yeah. Jeez, man. Saw pictures of it today. Um, roof was down to the bare wood, um, blew in the doors, so they had leaves and debris and everything everywhere, water just pouring in. So. Gosh. Yeah. I mean, it'll it'll be rebuilt, but yeah, it's... it's... Well, you know, I think they're going to have a problem similar to they did during Katrina or after Katrina that so many of the churches got damaged that it really, you know, had a big effect in the neighborhoods, yeah. you know? Sure. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, that but was like, uh, it was like well, Katrina. The most of the, uh, okay. Okay. You go. Fine. I'll shut up. You go. I'm trying to tell you that most of the Popeyes are just fine. Oh, well, that's good. Because apparently when I talk and you talk, we kind of kill each other on the, on the mics. Anyway, what I was going to say is after Katrina, I had gone out, it was about a year later, um, 
and I was looking at some uh, heavy equipment out there, and I drove out to the, I think it was the Ninth Ward, and um, it was where the, the water was pretty much over the tops, where people were dying in their attics. Hmm. Um, and these entire neighborhoods, bigger than the neighborhoods here, bigger than Cinco Ranch, just these entire sprawling neighborhoods, completely and utterly abandoned with the little X's and yeah. the crosses and all that. Um, and the problem was, and I don't think they've ever come back, because the problem was, do the people come back first or do the businesses come back first? Because if the people come back, they've got no businesses to right. go to. If the businesses come back, they've got no people to... And so it just kind of stagnated. It's it's out there by um, by where the the, uh, the Six Flags was. Um, it's New Orleans East. Yeah, the oh, east, the side. east side. Okay. Yeah. <coughs> Boy, excuse me. That probably was really loud in somebody's ears. Um, all right. Well, tell you what. Let's get on to uh, to some weird news today. How about that? Let's do it. All right, so today, I, I, I don't have any weird news. I have weird news, but it's in the form of two people's lives. Okay. That are full, their lives are full of weird news. Okay. So we're going to start with Jack Lucas. Jack Lucas was born in February 14th, 1928 in Plymouth, North Carolina. Uh, he, was, he was always very big for his age. He was a very bulky guy. And he decided he wanted to um, join the Marines right after Pearl Harbor. Only one problem with that is that Jack uh, wasn't old enough to join. However, back then, you could have your parents sign a form. If you were 17, they'd sign a form. You'd go in, go in the basic. Well, that's what he did. He got a form. He got it signed. Went off to basic training. Sometime after basic training, they realized, <laughs> well, you know what, son? You're not even 17. And you forged your mother's signature. And Jack, at the time that he entered the United States Marine Corps, was 14 years old. Wow. Well, they didn't kick him out of the Marines. Um, you know, uh, see, when the Marine Corps realized his mistake a year later, Lucas was relegated to driving a truck in Hawaii. Although Lucas was lucky not to have been immediately discharged, he was not willing to sit out the war in safety. Instead, he stowed away aboard the USS Duel, a transport ship bound for Iwo Jima. Officers of the 26th Marines were unaware of the young Marine's age and allowed Lucas to join their unit when they discovered him aboard the ship. Jeez. After they removed all rank from him. <laughs> because he had, now, he had now lied, he was now a deserter, and a stowaway. Wow. When, asked, uh, when the commander asked him why he stowed away, he told him, uh, Sir, I did not join the Marine Corps to drive a truck. I joined the Marine Corps to fight. Please let me fight. So Jack celebrated his 17th birthday at sea on February 14, 1945. On the afternoon of February 19th, Lucas landed on the Japanese-held island of Iwo Jima as a rifleman with the 1st Battalion, 26th Marines, 5th Marine Division. On Lucas's second day in com combat, two Japanese grenades fell into the trench where he was sharing with three fellow Marines. Lucas was in the process of cleaning a, cleaning a jam in his rifle and was the only one to notice the grenades. He yelled grenade, pushed a fellow Marine out of the way. Lucas then threw himself on the grenade and pulled the other grenade in underneath his body, pushing it as far down into the black sand as he could. Seconds later, one of the grenades exploded, sending more than 250 pieces of shrapnel into Lucas and causing grievous wounds throughout his body. 
Lucas was thrown into the air and landed on his back. Lucas' comrades were sure that he was dead and left the trench to continue their assault. Meanwhile, Lucas, who was not dead and never lost conscious, could not make a sound to Lucas's aid. Not only treated his wounds, but also shot and killed another enemy soldier preparing to throw another grenade at the bear. Stretcher bearers then carried Lucas to the beach, where he waited until nightfall to be evacuated to a hospital ship offshore. There, he underwent his first series of 26 operations to remove some of the shrapnel from his torso, arm, and face. Lucas made a surprising recovery, but underwent a prolonged physical therapy to regain the use of his arm. Nearly eight months later, Lucas's heroic act, uh, President Harry S. Truman presented Lucas with the Congressional Medal of Honor on October 5, 1945. Lucas was one of the 27 servicemen eventually to be awarded the nation's highest decoration of bravery during the Battle of Iwo Jima. Pretty amazing, right? Yeah. 14-year-old kid, brave, <laughs> goes out, stows away on a boat just so he could go fight. You think it's over, but this is weird news. Incredibly, Lucas survived several other traumatic events after the war that rivaled his exploits as a Marine. After Lucas tried his hand at a business for a time, he decided it wasn't for him and joined the Army in 1961 and trained as a paratrooper. On one training jump, both of his parachutes malfunctioned, sending him plummeting to the earth. My gosh. Miraculously, he survived the fall. (laughs) Lucas credited his survival to a last-minute roll in his stocky build. Lucas also escaped his house being on fire. (laughs) where he was also sent to the hospital. And last but not least, the attempted murder by his wife. (laughs) Golly. Uh, Lucas wrote a book uh, of his memoirs, and he uh, fittingly titled it Indestructible. (laughs) He was the youngest Medal of Honor recipient since the Civil War died in June 5th, 2008. He died in June 5th, 2008 in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Jeez. So... The guy gets blown up by a grenade, <laughs> falls out of the sky, and uh, and then uh, his his wife tries to kill him, <laughs> and his house burns down. Jeez, man! I don't know if it's the luckiest man in the world or the least luckiest man in the world. I can't say. decide which it is. <clears throat> wow! Very least lives. he could have better taste in women. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know what kind of woman leaves a guy who was blown up by a grenade, but whatever. All right, so one more. This, let me introduce you to Roy Cleveland Sullivan. February 7th, 1912 is when this man was born, and he lived until September 28th, 1983. He was a park ranger in Shenandoah National Park. What makes Roy so special? Roy has been struck by lightning seven times. (laughs) (laughs) He holds the Guinness Book of World Record for having been struck uh, by lightning the most. The first time his documented lightning strike was on April 1942. He was hiding from a thunderstorm in a fire lookout tower. The tower was newly built and did not have lightning rods at the time. It was hit seven or eight times inside the tower. Fire was jumping all over the place. Sullivan ran out just a few feet away to receive what he considered to be the worst lightning strike. It burned half an inch stripe along his right leg hit his toe, and left a hole in his shoe. Jeez. His second strike, he was hit again in July 1969. Uh, usually, he was hit, usually he was hit while in his truck driving on a mountain road, 
The metal body of the vehicle normally protected people from lightning strikes by acting as a Faraday cage. The lightning first hit a nearby tree and was deflected into the open window of the truck. Golly. The strike knocked Sullivan unconscious uh, and burned off his eyebrows and eyelashes and set his hair on fire. Uh, number three was in July of 1970. Sullivan was struck while he was in his front yard. The lightning hit a nearby power transformer and then jumped to his left shoulder, searing it. Number four was in spring of 1972. Sullivan was working inside a ranger station in the Shenandoah National Park when he was struck again. It again set his hair on fire. He tried to smother the flames with his jacket. He then rushed to the restroom but could not fit under the water tap. So he used a wet towel instead. Although he never was a fearful man, after the fourth strike, he began thinking that maybe they were following him. Number five, August 7th, 1973. While he was out on patrol in the park, Sullivan saw a storm cloud forming and drove away quickly. quickly. But the cloud, he said later, seemed to be following him. When he finally thought that he had outrun it, uh, he decided it was safe to leave the truck. Soon after, he was struck by a lightning bolt. <laughs> Sullivan stated that he actually saw the bolt that hit him. The lightning moved down his left arm, his left leg, and knocked off his shoe. It then crossed over to his right leg, just below the knee. Still conscious, Sullivan crawled in his truck, poured a can of water, which he always kept there because his hair was on fire. (laughs) (laughs) Number six. The next strike was on June 5th, 1976. It injured his ankle. It was reported that he saw a cloud, thought that it was following him, tried to run away, but it struck him anyway, and his hair caught on fire. (laughs) Number seven, last but not least, on Saturday morning, June 25th, 1977, Sullivan was struck while fishing in freshwater pool. The lightning hit the top of his head, set his hair on fire, <laughs> traveled down, burned his chest and stomach. Um, now, all seven strikes were documented by the superintendent of Shenandoah National Park. Uh, Hoskins, however, was never present during any of these strikes. Um, oh, yeah. Sullivan's wife was also struck once Hmm. when in a storm suddenly arrived and she was out hanging clothes in their backyard. Her husband was helping her at the time, but he escaped unharmed. (laughs) (laughs) I bet it tried to hit him. I was going to say, I think it was going for him and it missed. So the odds of being struck by lightning seven times is one in 10 to the 28th power. Jeez. So the man was struck seven, and he didn't die until 1983. His last one was 77. So from what 12 did he die to, from? Uh, didn't really say. I, I have no idea, but it wasn't a lightning strike. So, Kyle, you got anything for us? No, I couldn't really find anything good. I was trying to find something that focused primarily on the New Orleans area and couldn't find anything worthy of our show. All right. Well, then we'll go ahead and end our news. So yesterday, uh, I'm sure you're aware of it. Most people that live in Texas are. The uh, the heartbeat bill took effect. Yes. And uh, those of you who don't know what the heartbeat bill is, it has to do with the abortion uh, laws and... Our governor and some people who were with the governor put forth this bill that states that if there is a discernible heartbeat, then 
it is it is at that point illegal to perform an abortion or to end the. Now there is a caveat unless the mother is at risk, um, which you know I see no I see no problem with that. So it's a huge step forward. Uh, the good news that I thought that I kind of was doing some research on is that you know do you know when a baby's heart starts beating? It's early. It's like the first week or something. Three right? weeks. Three weeks. Okay. Yeah. So it is, it's three weeks. And most people don't even find out they're pregnant until their third or fourth week yeah. anyway. So, I mean, to me, that that's a great news because, you know, some of these women who don't even know they're pregnant go find out they're pregnant. And, oh, well, I'll get an abortion. Well, no, you're, you're four and a half weeks pregnant. So, sorry, it's too late. Now, yeah. I'm sure they'll drive out of state and do whatever they're going to do. But... Um, uh, Florida tried this and they haven't quite got it down yet. They haven't quite gotten it passed through yet. They've been trying to, but the beauty of this is it went up against the Supreme court yesterday yeah. and we won. Yeah, I heard. And, uh, it was, it was said that, uh, abortion is not a right. Um, and that, you know, you do not have the right to have an abortion, that it was a law and it was a mandate and Roe v. Wade kind of said, well, you know, it should be a woman's choice, et cetera, but it was never considered a constitutional right. Um, so hopefully this will stand and maybe it'll spread because before this, there were 11 States that had this type of bill in it and it was never able to stand, uh, up against the Supreme court. The Supreme court kept wiping it out. Is it because of how the law was written specifically in the state? Uh, it, it was, but primarily it was because of the Supreme court at the time, was more liberal mm. and was saying that Roe v. Wade was uh, the standard yeah. and was considering it to be a right as, as Roe v. Wade somewhat kind of put out there. Um, so the Supreme Court always upheld Roe v. Wade. In this instance, though, not they're not necessarily going against Roe v. Wade, but they're saying that Roe v. Wade did not necessarily make it a right to have an abortion it just made it legal hmm. um so well and even the, the supreme court it was only uh five to four yeah to yeah support Texas. so i mean it's yeah so whenever what? if walter's able to get his way and, and put more judges on the supreme court that could easily be overturned but uh if you're wondering who walter is that's who i call biden okay well you know you know who jeff dunham is Yes. You ever see his little dummy Walter? Oh, okay. He looks exactly like Walter, <laughs> and he's a dummy. So it makes perfect sense to call him Walter. That's funny. <laughs> I think Walter's a better speaker. I think Walter yeah. has more more brains in his head. Um, he's funnier, that's for damn sure. Oh, he's definitely funnier. <laughs> uh, so, so my question to you, Mr. Justin, is... We've got a lot of Catholics, a lot of Christians, a lot of Pentecostals, a lot of different religions that are Democrats and fully and utterly support. I won't say necessarily support because I don't know, but I will say, for example, Joe Biden, who calls himself a Catholic, he's the one that was very upset with the Supreme Court for not upholding Roe v. Wade, but he's not the only one. He's not the only air quote Christian out there that thinks that abortion should be considered a, a right. 
what say you? I mean, what say you to these Christians that say, oh, yeah, abortion's fine. It's a woman's choice. The, the baby's not a baby until it comes out. It has no rights. We can do whatever we want. What say you? How much time do we have? I mean, well, we a, don't have much. Well, that's a that's a massive question. Yeah, um, I think it's been debated for uh, decades, if not centuries, um, by people a lot smarter than me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I <clears throat> think it comes down fundamentally to the root cause of the person's belief structure. Uh, essentially, I guess their worldview, um, and does it. Does it uphold to the belief that they say they have, or is it contrary to maybe a conviction they have religiously? Mm-hmm. Um, because I would be willing to bet that people live a contradictory worldview as as Christians. Um, well, you almost have to. I mean, to be a true Christian, you have to live contradictory to world terms, don't you? Well, a worldview, a worldview world being yeah. being. Um, your view of the world and a biblical worldview, you know, has certain, certain requirements. Yeah. Um, but if, if a belief structure contradicts a biblical worldview, mm. then the person has to decide which fundamental belief structure am I going to adopt? Yeah. And I get nervous when professing Christians adopt policies of a worldview that are contrary to the Bible. Um, that can be easily debatable, you know, yeah. abortion being one of them. You know, the, I think it's easy to to go to the whole, um, well, incest and rape. Okay, we got to protect because of that. But what are the percentage percentages of that happen? Well, it doesn't happen? even it doesn't even matter. I mean, it's okay, incest or rape, fine. Okay, you know what? You didn't plan it. It was wrong. It shouldn't have happened. However. We still maintain the belief that that's a life, that's a human life, regardless right. of how it became a human life. It is a human life. So rape and incest is out the door. I, I don't agree with that. I know a lot of a lot of the Christians will say, "Well, what about rape and incest?" It's still a life. I, that that's what I believe. And yeah. when you're asking me <clears throat> the question, I think that that supersedes the the question at hand. Yeah, you know, it comes down to what is life and. Is life valuable? Is life um, worth fighting for, and everything else? And if we, if we as Christians, you know, um, just walk that concept back to what would Jesus think? Mm. What what did he promote? It was nothing but assigning value to people, <clears throat> assigning value to children, even. Mm. And I could, I could only speculate that he would be against any form of. Um, policy that would prevent life. Um, yeah. Now you could go back to the Old Testament and go, well, I mean, there was there was capital punishment for certain crimes and things like that. But there was that's an but entirely not, different. Well, there was, and there's capital punishment now, but not once did that capital punishment include the death of an unborn child. Exactly. Exactly. You know. Exactly. Um, so so yeah, I mean, if you broke Levitical law, some of the Levitical laws then some of those punishments were death. But at the same time, you couldn't have broken Levitical law if you haven't even been born yet. Exactly. So, yeah, um, so yeah the e- even even in that society. Kyle, what do you think? What do you, what, how do you see this? The same as you guys do. I mean, you know, the one thing I wish that young people understood that, that there's no way that they would. And this is come, 
know, kind of completely outside of religion and morality and everything else is I think a lot of people get abortions because they have an unplanned pregnancy and they think it's going to ruin their life and all of that. And now that I'm 55 and I have two kids and Troy has four, it's Ooh. not that hard. I can't, I, I can't lost count. <laughs> um, it's not that hard. Having a kid's just not that hard. It's not. Well, and there's too anybody. many alternatives. There's too many alternatives to, to abortion. Um, you know, I, I can sit here and, and say that because I, I adopted a little girl. Um, you know, I adopted a girl out of a, out of another country um, simply because of how that country treated its unwanted. You know, and and unfortunately, these people would would have these children they would roll the dice and they would see what the kid looked like see what the kid acted like and decide whether or not it was male or female whether or not they wanted it um and their value of human life is so much less than ours that they'll wait till the kid's born and then they will just leave it somewhere uh and if somebody finds it fine if somebody doesn't that's fine too we don't really care um so but but how much longer is it until the U.S. kind of looks at, you know, I mean, they, they're already talking about abortions that are basically up until the moment that, I mean, that child was due to be delivered today. And, and, and as it's coming into the world, we can abort it. How, how can you say, how, how can anyone in their right mind say that that is not a life? How, you know... You can almost understand, you can almost, not, I can't, but I can almost understand those who go, well, if it was born right now, would it live? You know, well, no, it's not fully formed. It's not fully, you know, it doesn't have the ability to, to self-sustain. Well, then it's not a life. Well, it is, but I can understand your, I can understand your self-justification there. Even though you're wrong, I can still at least understand your thinking and your logic but these that get into the to the late twenties and early thirty weeks of, of pregnancy that go and have abortions that no there there's you have nothing to stand on you have no rationalization. Uh, I was reading an article in Focus on the Family on this and uh, this guy named Jess Ford who writes for Focus on the Family he he puts Christians who uh, who deal with with this this topic in three groups he calls it. Uh, the group of silence, the group of misplaced compassion, and the people of the word. His group of silence, he goes, uh, the group of silence consists of people who are typically familiar with the biblical emphasis on the value of life. This group generally agrees with the Bible's assertion that from the womb to tomb, life should be protected. However, their internal agreement with scripture remains locked within their fearful hearts. So there's those people that 100% believe everything you and I are saying right now. But they're scared to, to let that out. They, they just know, I, I don't want to be judged. I don't want, to, I don't want people, you know, I, I'll just, I'll just the, what we call the silent majority. And then there's a group of misplaced compassion. Many young Christians hold misplaced compassion, favoring the situational fears of an unplanned pregnancy rather than showing mercy on the injustice of abortion. He says, let me be clear here. Christians should display radical compassion towards all women who find themselves in a frightening pregnancy situation. However, our compassion must look different than that of the world. The world's compassion will encourage women 
to have an abortion so that they can follow their dreams and be successful. The compassion of a Christian links arms with the women and helps them believe that they will be great mothers. Most importantly, it equips them with the resources to continue following their dreams even after having their baby. And I would go on to say offers alternatives such as adoption. That's not in here, but I would add that mm-hmm. to that. Yeah. Um, Who is it that, that said that? This is a guy by the name of Jess Ford. He writes for uh, for Focus on the Family, uh, it, which is uh, it's they've been around for dozens and dozens of years. Dobbs, uh, Dobson, James Dobson, uh, is the one who founded this Focus on the Family, and it's a Christian organization that it does exactly what he's talking about. You know, talks about the 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 core family and he's, he's written numerous, uh, numerous books about raising up boys, raising up men, raising up girls, you know, just, just all kinds of biblical instruction on how to be a parent, um, how to be a child, how to, you know, how to be successful at focusing on the family. His well, last, I think he really on kind of what I was saying that there's too many people that presume that if you get pregnant young, yeah, you're yeah. not going to be, that's the group. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. The group of the misplaced compassion. Yeah, that's. I think that's exactly what you were talking about. And then there's the people of the word. This group consists of people who believe that life worth defending, that life is worth defending, and they do this with words and action. These people are not fearful about the words and opinions of abortion. Instead, they are only concerned with promoting kingdom values from the peaceful protests uh, of the March of Life to the cries that outrose the tragedy of George Floyd's passing. So... Yeah, we'll get into that in a minute. Um, We find evidence that today's young people are aching for truth. The quest for truth is a problem that only one man, Jesus Christ, can solve. Being the body of Christ, the church must take the initiative to extend our hands and our hearts out to those who are uh, desiring to know the truth. Moreover, the church must become the source of inspiration for for those overcome with fear when considering speaking their views on abortion. This issue matters to God, so we must respond with acts of worship and surrender as we advocate on behalf of the defenseless. So what this is saying is that, you know, the people of the word that are out there marching, that are out there saying no, that are out there, you know, peacefully doing that, our churches need to stand up and get behind them. And and they don't in a lot of ways. A lot of churches avoid this like the plague. Mm -hmm. Um, they don't want any part of it. Um, and, and well, that, I think that's just because it's such a deeply personal decision. Is it that people make? Is it? Well, it's a selfish decision, but but is it I personal? Mean, it, because what I don't understand in that is a woman, you know, in California, that's eighteen weeks pregnant can walk down to Planned Parenthood, walk in the door, sign a few forms, and walk out without a baby in her. No problem. Everything's fine. We're done. And she moves on about her life. And yet that same woman, if as she was walking into that Planned Parenthood, as she was walking through the door, a man came up with a gun, shot her in the stomach, killed her and the baby, he would be charged with double homicide, even though she was walking into that clinic. Yeah. How, how I mean, much sense does that make? Well, that's the contradiction but... I was talking about. I think. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's insane. That 
you know, the world will not accept a, a, a fetus of X size to be a life unless, of course, it, it, it's, you, you know, someone else terminated it, not you. You know, well, well, I didn't really want it to be. Done. You were walking in the clinic. You were walking in, and and that, and, and I can guarantee you the man would go to prison for for murder. Even if she survived, even if the woman survived and the baby died, he would go to prison for murder. Because that's I how think twisted what's our is. Is that, Let's say he shot her in the stomach. Okay, she survives. The baby doesn't. Yeah, that's what I just said. He'll still be charged with He's murder. Still charged with murder. Absolutely, yeah. he is. Uh, you know. And, and so I guess, you know, what we Christians have to wrap our head around is, first of all, when does life begin? You know, we, we have to decide when does life begin. And, and I, think, I think God answered that many times. Um, I wrote down a few here in Psalm one thirty nine thirteen. It says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Okay. Psalm 51, 5 says, Surely I was sinful at birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. So that says right there that if I am sinful, then I am a life, and therefore I was a life at conception. Uh, Luke one forty one says that when uh, here's here's the one I love. Um, when, you know when we talk about is 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 the baby aware? You know, the other thing with this is is you know the, these abortions that. They don't use any anesthetic for the baby. I mean, they literally rip these children apart in pieces, and it's they act as though there's you know well they don't care they're they're not you know okay let's look at Luke one forty one when Elizabeth heard you know this was uh, this is talking about uh, John the Baptist and the birth of John the Baptist and Elizabeth was pregnant with John and Mary had come in to go visit with John with uh, with her cousin Elizabeth. And it said, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb. The baby recognized that Mary, who was carrying Jesus, had come in. So don't tell me that that was not a, a human being in there. Um, and then Jeremiah 140, 1.4-5 says, the, wor- uh, the word of the Lord came to me, saying that before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. So, I mean, God knows everything, and he knows when we're going to be born. And even before we're born, at the moment of conception, that life begins, and God takes over. And so, you know, in my mind, that, be, that, that starts at conception. Now, again, we don't have a conception bill out there yet. All we have is a heartbeat bill, and we have to be happy with that, I suppose. But we need to start fighting for an absolute and utter ban on abortion. Let's take a break for a minute. We'll come back and uh, talk a little bit more about this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, so we're we're talking about how in the world does someone claiming themselves to be Christian, how in the world can they in any way, shape, or form stand behind abortion at any level? How, how is that even possible? Where did it come from? Where did it start? Uh, I mean, I know that a few podcasts ago we talked about, you know, the frog is dead and the normalizing of sin and how things have kind of crept in. But I think this goes past that, Justin. You know, I, I think, you know... Uh, I mean, I think they feel good about themselves and walk out and feel okay because of that. But, but where did we even get that notion? Where did that even come from that, oh, well, I'll just go kill it and then everything will be okay. Where did that even come from? I think there's, it's almost like there's a contest for our, our attention. Um, both the average person, the Christian and everybody in between. Um, and Perhaps it's a lack of strong teaching from the pulpit that has then allowed the louder voice of the world to program and condition the average Christian to believe what its message is rather than what the Bible message is. The verses that you just read, I would love in the perfect world to take a poll of a thousand Christians and ask them if they've ever heard those verses before. Right. What do, you, what do you think the results would oh, be? Oh, it's going to be absolutely not. Yeah, exactly. And so <clears throat> maybe... Maybe the one from Jeremiah. But, yeah, exactly, because that's a That one's common fairly one. common, yeah, yeah, but the other two, absolutely not. Exactly. And so maybe, well, the Bible says my people perish for lack of knowledge. Right. And so uh, is their conscience perishing because of the lack of biblical knowledge? Well, I was going to say when you said it was uh, maybe a, a lack of uh, something from the pulpit, a lack of correction from the pulpit... I'm going to kind of challenge that and say, I don't know. That, I mean, and I agree that, that we don't hit this topic and we don't hit a lot of these topics from the pulpit. But at the same time, you know, a lot of these Christians go to church to check a box. Some of them never even go. They just call themselves Christian, never show up. So yeah. the ones who don't even show up, how can the pulpit be the exactly. problem? Yeah. You know, and those who do show up just to, to check a box again, they, they checked out the minute they walked in. So I don't know that it's the pulpit's fault as it is our own personal responsibility as Christians to be in the Word, to understand the Word, and to know what God's will is in these things. Do you think that if there was strong leadership from the pulpit, it would kind of snap somebody into that lifestyle or that mindset? Because I think it would. I, I do. I, to, <clears throat> on some of them, yes. On some of the people, yes. But I think there's those who just... They want to believe in in the in the in the Jesus. They want to believe in the life after death. They want to believe in heaven, and they want all these things. And so they're willing to say, "Oh yeah, 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 Jesus, great, You're just wonderful." But I don't, you know, I got stuff to do on Sunday. Yeah, and you know, I just don't really have time to open it. And 
And the biggest excuse is always, well, I just don't understand it. It's so confusing when I open that book and try to, I just, I just don't understand it, so I just don't even try. It's true. You know, so, I mean, we have all these wonderful excuses. And, and of course, there's going to be a day of reckoning when we we meet our maker, when we when we are judged. And, yes, we will be judged. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I, I, we will be judged. It's going to happen. I mean, it's it's all in the Bible. Now, granted, those of us who are Christians will be found to be, you know, without without flaw and, and perfect because we're covered in the blood of Christ. But there will be a judgment. There will be a reckoning. And on that day, Jesus says, you know, you will say to me, Lord, Lord, and I will say, I never knew you. You know, didn't we do this? Didn't we do that? Weren't we good little soldiers? Didn't we? We gave the guy $5 on the side of the road. You know, we, we, we always donated to Pennywise for the Christian home. We always did all those things, you know. And we, 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 we said you were, yeah, but... You never invited me into your heart. You never truly repented. You never truly did these things. And so I'm going to tell you to get away from me. Yeah. And that day's coming. And, and, and I think there's a lot of people who are going to be very surprised, unfortunately surprised. Uh, I hope I'm not one of them. Yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, but, but the judgment is coming. You know, you were saying something during the break about uh, authority and how you think that maybe a lot of this has to do with, with uh a rebellion against authority. Yeah, or even <clears throat> just competing competing voices for our attention that causes us to yield to authority. I mean, yeah. uh, when it comes to where we get our news, you know, let's just pick on that for a second. You know, everybody has their, their little spots that they get news. And there are certain people when you bring up the latest news or something like that, they immediately snap into like this defensive, authoritarian, you know, kind of mindset and mm. they're <clears throat> they're gripping on to this this belief structure that um that i'm standing on truth and everything else and, and they've determined that, that what they believe is 100 percent true and everything else and the next person believes the same and the next person believes the same um same with i don't know whataburger versus in and out i mean there's every there's all these well all that, these things but yeah <clears throat> there was a great um, saying uh i saw on uh, one of the social media sites, I don't remember which one, but it was the greatest thing, and it said that the most washed thing in 2020 was not your hands; it was your brain. Hmm. And I went, "Whoa, that's that's pretty true." Yeah, and 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 and, and to, to show the 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 the. <sighs> show how that is you take these liberals you take these planned parenthood activists and what's their biggest advocation for abortion it's a woman's choice my body my choice my body my choice that's their big rally cry is my body my choice now all of a sudden it's not my body my choice because we want you to get vaccinated and we don't care about your body and we don't care about your choice. You will get vaccinated because it's better for everybody. It's better for everybody that you get vaccinated. So therefore, we don't care about your body. We don't care about your choice. It's better for everybody. And I'm going, how is that different than abortion? Because you say, my body, my choice. Well, it's not better for the kid. It's right. not better exactly. for the child. <laughs> you know. So we would say stop abortions because it's better for the children. You know, because you're you're millions. I mean, over a million abortions last year. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> With that said, though, Troy, a little bit of good news. 
you know, a minute ago you were referencing the um, the frog is dead, mm-hmm. which was that whole episode was about becoming desensitized. Right. And as you guys were talking, I looked it up, and believe it or not, abortion rates peaked in 1979 and have steadily declined since. And we are now at less than half of the rate that we were at in 1979. I find that hard to believe. Really? Where'd you get that information? From the uh, CDC. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. I find that very hard to believe. Hmm. It's just that. Well, but if you think about it, I mean, one of the things that they are crediting is the restrictions that have been put on abortion since 1979. Well, um, yeah. Um, but I mean, Roe v. Way was in 70. Oh, I don't want to lie. It was in the 70s is when Roe v. Wade came in, which opened the doors to, and it was before 79, obviously, (laughs) that opened the doors. I want to say it was 77. (laughs) For some reason, that that date rings a bell. Anyway, that opened the doors for all these women to, to, and that's when Planned Parenthood and everything else started succeeding, Um, which I always found that to be the most horrible name for that place planned parenthood because it's actually planned unparenthood well that's the the propaganda aspect of it yeah. it's conditioning you to believe something's nice and fancy yeah i don't get it i don't get it but yeah so you know i like you said i mean i think that that we do have a responsibility as as Christian, you know, the, the Christian leaders have a responsibility to to bring this message, to, to have a more powerful stance, to have a more vocal uh, stance on this. But at the same time, you know, how do we how do we get with those Christians that are just checked out? You know, and I mean, um, I mean, I've got people that, you know, and, and I've got a friend of mine down the street and I don't want to necessarily equate it to Democrat and Republican, although the vast majority of Democrats are pro-choice and the vast majority of Republicans are pro-life because that's the party stance on it. I mean, the, the, you say, who's the party stance for abortion? You know, who, who agrees with abortion? Oh, Democrats. Well, who's against abortion? Well, Republicans. Now, that's not across the board. That's not a, a, a sweeping thing, but it is as a rule. So my question would be, how can you... Just in that one thing, just that one thing that Democrats totally 100% agree with and think should be more available for later terms, how can you, as a Christian, support the Democratic Party? You know, and I asked a friend of mine uh, that not long ago during, before the election, and his, his answer surprised me. His answer was, well, it's going to happen anyway. So what difference does it make if I agree or don't agree with it? It's going to happen anyway. And that is, that's that, that group of the silent or whatever that just like, yeah, it doesn't matter what I say. It's going to happen anyway. Hmm. And that's just such a horrible way to look at it. You know, you know, may, maybe I could do something. Yeah, it's going to happen anyway. Uh, I don't have any voice. I don't have any. And that's how our government kind of treats us as though you, you don't matter. You don't matter. So we're going to do it anyway, whether you stand up or don't. Isn't that kind of a lazy like excuse? Absolutely. Totally. Out. 
you know, one of the shows that I like watching late at night when I can't sleep, uh, um, this may sound strange, but is Drugs, Inc. Okay. Um, and, and when these producers are like interviewing, you know, these drug dealers and smugglers and everything else, there's a lot of them that say that very thing. It's like, well, I mean, somebody's going to sell it, so I might as well make money off of it. Right. And I think to myself, is that a way for their conscience to feel okay doing it? Oh, yeah, you know? absolutely. But it's it's also a lazy way. Like It uh, is, but you look at, that is that is the Christian out for everything, man. Pornography. Well, they've already filmed it. It's not like I'm hurting anyone. It's already out there. I'm not making this person make this. It's already there. It's a victimless crime kind it, of thing. It, well, yeah, because <clears throat> it, it's already there. You know, I, I wouldn't do this live. You know, I would never ask anyone to do this. But it's already there. It's already been done. So what difference does it make if I look at it? You know, the, it's it's going to happen whether I'm there or not. So what difference does it make if I partake in it a little bit? Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's how our world has become. Um, is, yeah, you know, it's already there. What difference does it make if I, if I just add a little bit to it? Yeah. And so, and that's that's the problem is that I think a lot of that is that government brainwashing that you don't have a voice. Right. You don't have, you know, it's kind of like the whole January 6th thing. They have brainwashed us into believing, or at least their side of the, of the aisle, to believe that that was an absolute and utter uprising and insurrection, you know, that, that was coming to take over the Capitol. They can go out and 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 destroy cars and buildings and yeah. burn down entire blocks and and have absolute riots over thugs being shot in the street. That's okay. That's a protest that we can all get behind. But if I'm standing outside the Capitol, you know, and a police officer opens the door and says, "Come on in," I am now an insurrectionist. You know. Now, granted, there were some bad players in there. There were some people that broke some windows. And, and caused very, very minor damage. But there was not one weapon recovered. There was not one death caused by the rioters. They, they tried to say that, that police officer was, but he had a stroke and died. Yeah. He, he was not hit in the head with anything. In fact, the only person killed was an Air Force uh, veteran uh, female shot by one of the, 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 the Capitol Police, which we don't know who it was. Yeah, We can't figure it out. He's on television right there shooting the lady in the face, but we can't figure out who he is. Hmm. But they can figure out who 900 of those protesters yeah. are. Absolutely. We have found them and put them in jail. Uh, but, but we can't figure out who shot the, the poor Air Force uh, veteran. I don't, I don't, it's, it's amazing. It's weird. But Now, granted, she was at the wrong place at the wrong time doing something she shouldn't have been doing. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say for two seconds that you know she did not put herself in harm's way. She did. I, I wish that wouldn't have happened. There was no, no one else had any weapons of any kind. I don't know how that officer could have felt threatened for his life when he had the entire hallway behind him wide open that he could have walked down. But for whatever reason he did and he fired his weapon, I think he did it wrong. But again, I can't sit here and say that he was wrong in doing what he did because she was in the wrong place. But, to, to drag it out this far as an insurrection, to drag it out this far as this whole thing, that's just how they think, is that you can't go against what we believe. You can go with what we believe, and if you're with us, you can tear up anything you want. If you're against us, then you're an insurrectionist and you go to jail. If you well, see, Troy, 
therein lies the flaw and everything you're talking about. What's that? Is you assume that they have rational logic. Well, true. I mean, no, I was going to say this while ago. It's self-serving um, logic is what it is. The same people that are all in favor of abortion are typically the same people who are against the death penalty. True. That is absolutely true. So, yeah, saving the life of somebody who is a convicted murderer. And, and I know that you know, but a, a lot of the people listening may not understand exactly how capital punishment works in Texas. We have a reputation of, you know, executing all kind of people. I know that when I was in Australia, you know, they actually um, believed that in Texas, if you get convicted of robbing a convenience store, that you would get the death penalty. And when I explained to them what capital punishment actually was and how it works, they were like, well, you know, that, that actually makes sense. Uh, you know, not to mention that, you know, a capital crime has to be a specific thing. And even of the capital offenses, a very small percentage of those uh, ever have the death penalty uh, on the table. Yeah. And even with those, most of those, it comes off the table when they reach a plea deal. So it's a very, very small percentage of people. And that if actually, they do, it takes them 40 years to, to get to yeah. it anyway. Um, well, not in Texas because they limit your appeals in Texas now. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, you still uh, look at some people, they've been in there 20 the, uh, something years. It's uh Ron white. He's like, yeah, in Texas we have the death penalty and we use it. Yeah. Well, uh, we do. But, and, uh, and I'll be honest with you. There was a day not long ago that I 100% absolutely, utterly, and totally back to the death penalty. And, you know, you you qualified for a capital offense. You know, you killed an officer. You premeditated murder. You know, uh, murder while in the, uh, while having other crimes. You know, whatever it is that constitutes, you know, the death penalty being put in place. I was 100% behind that. And I have to say, the closer I walk with Christ and the closer I get and the more, the less I'm 100% behind that. I'm still behind it. Don't get me wrong. And I, and I would, but it's like, yeah, I guess, you know, yeah, I get it. And yeah, we, we need, yeah, it's a deterrent and yeah. Okay. Yeah. That guy's twisted. He's probably demon possessed anyway. So, but I just, I don't have as much vim and vigor as I used to over it. You know, I used to be, Oh yeah. Stab him. Do whatever you gotta do. String him up. <laughs> what? Man, I, I and I used to think that this whole uh, lethal injection—that's way too easy for them. Absolutely not. We we need to—they need to be long, slow, and torturous, uh, and and fit the crime. You know, how how did you kill your victim? Well, you stabbed them to death. Great. Then we're going to sit there and we're going to stab you nine thousand four hundred thirty-two times <laughs> with just a really long needle. You know, Jeez. it's, it's going to really suck. Um, you know, and I, and I used to fully believe that, and and the more I've. Uh, like I said, the, the, the more my walk is closer and closer with Christ, I think the less and less I enjoy it. I don't think I want to say less and less I believe in it. I think the less and less I enjoy it. It's kind of like, um, you know. You're just not as vindictive as you used to be. Well, yeah. No, I think it's more, um, it, it's kind of, well, yeah, that that's true for sure. But at the same time, you know, a lot of people say, um, you know, how are you going to feel when you get to heaven and some people that you knew don't, you know, are you going to be angry with God? Are you going to be mad at him? You know, am I going to be disappointed and upset? Absolutely. But I also 
will understand, you know, what was right and what was not right. And that they had that opportunity, just like the guy who's fixing to get the needle, he had the opportunity to, to do the right thing and he didn't. So it disappoints me that it's come to this point. It disappoints me that you're here. It breaks my heart that you have to go through this, but at the same time, it is just, and it is right. So it gets done. So uh, Exodus 18.32, God speaking, For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone who dies, declares the Lord. Therefore, repent and live. So maybe to support uh, what you were saying, Troy, where as you do walk closer to the Lord, you tend to have more compassion because he has compassion. I mean, I think to have compassion on the sinner is is his heart. and, And it's not always contingent on, you know, their absolute and immediate repentance um, sometimes he he has to woo somebody into you know accepting him and stuff like that so i've, I've i had to find the address just to say it but um I've, i actually have that written on the side of my bible yeah and that version said i do not delight in the death of anyone who dies and it's really interesting when you think that that's god speaking he doesn't right. delight in the death of anybody right of course so well, it's maybe his creation. perhaps we shouldn't yeah. either. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's his creation. It's, you know, no one likes to see their creation be, you know, and I think it's, it's, it's all, yeah. And in the case of like the, the capital punishment and stuff, I think it's like, you know, wow, you made all these bad choices at any moment. You could have walked away from that at any moment. You could have turned that around at any moment. You could have repented and you chose not to. And that's that's the major disappointment right there. You know, yeah. Now, the good news is that a lot of these people that get into the system, there's a whole lot of jailhouse conversions. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they sure. have nothing else. And, and I fully believe that, you know, the mass murderer that, you know, killed, you know, 47 people and truly comes to Jesus and truly converts and truly repents and, and all of that. Uh, yeah, I think he's going to heaven. And, you know, it's, it's just like the... Uh, the uh, the parable of, um, and I'm going to say it wrong, but it's the parable of the talons, um, where the, the field owner goes out and he hires someone first thing in the morning. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, and he says, I'll pay you, you know, 10 talons to work in my field. And they said, great. That seems fair. We all agree. Good deal. Around lunchtime, he notices he needs some more people. So he goes out and he says, Hey, I'll pay you 10 talons to come in. Okay, great. And then right before quitting time, he goes out and he hires some more. And payday comes and he pays them all exactly the same. And, of course, the people that worked all day are going, hey, that's that's not fair. You know, why is it not fair? I agreed to pay you 10 talents for your work. I agreed to pay them for their work. It's my money. I can do what I want with it. Yeah. And that's, you know, God's salvation. It's It's... It's my gift. It's my gift of grace and salvation and mercy. I can do whatever I want with it. And if this guy comes at the last moment and truly repents, then absolutely I'm going to let him in. Yeah. Um, we so. have a lot of these talks at the gym when we're working out, ironically, where um, we talk about, so a lot of us that work out together have similar testimonies, just massive sin in our life, radical, crazy conversions, and just attempted like lifelong devotion to the Lord mm-hmm. as a result of knowing the depths of what he saved us from. Right. Yeah. And the Bible supports that by saying he who has been forgiven of much loves much. Right. And sometimes I really honestly wrestle with 
God, why did you allow me to, I mean, like venture to the gates of hell in my depravity when I could have just kind of skipped and like, oops, I said a cuss word and oh, oh God, I'm sorry. And right. had the hunky dory kind of Christian life. Cause from a, a mind standpoint, my mind would be so much more peaceful and at ease versus years and decades of wrong programming, you know, and, and seeds and thoughts and all that other stuff. And, um, and then I, I kind of relent from that, from that kind of crybaby mentality. And I, and I really go, Lord, but thank you that you allowed me to experience and even struggle with certain sins because you're allowing me to see the, the long suffering you have, like the, right. the depths of what true forgiveness is, which is the 70 times seven that, that yeah. you talked to Peter yeah. about, yeah. you know, yeah. but for me, it's like 70 times 70,000. And if you have that much compassion on me, how can I not have that much or even a fraction of compassion on my neighbor? You know? Yeah. And, and your appreciation factor is, you know, is tenfold. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I appreciate, you know, it's, it's like the, it's like the, the person who's been rich their whole life and the person that's been poor their whole life and you, you put a stake on the table, who's going to appreciate that more? Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, I, it's like, you know, my life that I, you know, I decided to tell God to go, you know, go suck an orange. I don't care anymore. Uh, and, and then the coming back and, and the knowing that he took me back and the knowing that he forgave me, it was just so much better. Um, which is why I fully believe that when we get to heaven, we will 100% remember our lives on earth. Oh, a hundred percent. And the re you know, some people don't believe that some people, Oh, you'll have no memory of it. Well, then how do we know it's good? Yeah, that's ridiculous. How would we know how good heaven is if we didn't know how bad earth was? We would not be able to appreciate the perfection and the, the honest of, of heaven if we hadn't been through the hell of earth already, um, you know, so yeah, I fully believe that, you know, we will, we will enter the gates of heaven with our minds fully intact of everything. Um, now it won't be in a way that it would be, you know, sinful thoughts. It would be in a way of, Oh yeah, I remember all those terrible things, but not in a way that would, would, you know, be sinful. So yeah, it's, it's directed towards like his, greatness right you know right this thankfulness and all that you know i had a thought a minute ago um so one aspect of abortion that perhaps maybe even by the church gets a little bit overlooked and that is if these women actually go through it like the torture of grief and of shame and guilt that they go through i mean i, I couldn't even imagine um if and, they go through that well yeah yeah that's what i mean i mean if they do yeah. if they if they do have you know these procedures done mm -hmm. the mental anguish that these poor people go through um you know that's that's another subset of ministry that oh yeah. does exist yeah it does yeah but man how much more um could it be because man just the i don't know that would be really tough on them on somebody that would be hard i mean it, it'd be kind of like the same as um you know killing someone driving drunk yeah exactly you know, you, you knew you could have prevented it and you knew you could have done something differently. Instead, you made bad choices and someone's dead for it. You know, how does a person live with that? And, and, and I wonder those things, you know, normally good people make terrible choices and it ultimately ends in someone else's demise. How do you live with, and I'm not talking about an accident that happens. I'm talking about you purposely go to the bar yeah, and get yeah. totally, and, you know, and go out and kill somebody. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, that, 
I don't know how I would get over that. I yeah. mean, I'm, I'm sure God would help me through it, and I'm sure, sure the Holy Spirit would guide me through it. But at the same time, you know that that whole guilt of you know, oh, I am now totally unworthy. Yeah, uh, would would be there. So it's interesting. Um, well, two things. But I um, <clears throat> talking with a friend again at the gym the other day about King David and mm-hmm. and that very thing. I mean, the backstory but between him and Bathsheba, very few people actually know. Like. It's he knew her his whole life, mm-hmm. and to have a season where maybe he was depressed, he should have been out at war. He wasn't, and, and yada yada yada, made the the uh, conscious choice to pursue her, mm-hmm. the conscious choice to bring her husband back, to bring him out to the battlefield, cover up things and stuff like that. Um, probably lingered with him for a very long time, even though he was. The king, and he was yeah. God's best friend and worshiper, and all. And that I stuff. would bet that in some small way, God not allowing that child to live was probably in some ways a relief to David. In some ways, a, a payment of debt. I, I don't know. I just you know, I when I read that and I figure, oh wow, how could God do that? But then at the same time, oh wow, how could David do that? Oh, you know, and it's just this twisted thing. But you know, I think in some ways, you know, maybe David kind of felt I deserve that because you know I I deserve that at least I got what I deserved, and maybe allowed David. To, I I don't know. That's yeah. the only thing I can think is that you know something. You know, these days we've got grace, we've got mercy, yeah. we've got Jesus. Back then he didn't have that. You know. But, but I think he knew God. So David was was a really interesting dude, and maybe not to get off subject here, but um, I, I, the more I learn about David, the more I respect him, <clears throat> because even in that time when God told him um, this child will be killed, mm-hmm. David still spent the whole night fasting and oh, praying, yeah, sure. trying not to necessarily convince God change to change his mind, his mind. Change his mind. but. If there's any compassion in this situation, right. I am I am here asking for it and everything else. And when God said no, sorry, he picked himself up, dusted himself off, and went about his business sorry. out of like respect for right. God's decision to not right. change his mind. But but he tried. Yeah. And golly, I mean, imagine like in that like I don't know, man. I just couldn't imagine being in that scenario to begin with. But then to have almost the bravery to fast and pray all night, saying God. I royally hosed up, but if you could have compassion, that'd be awesome. Right, right. You don't? Cool. Let's move on. And but, but I want you to understand that I know what I did. Yeah, and exactly. I know that oh, I screwed absolutely. up and that, that it won't happen again. Yeah. It's not going to happen again. I can assure you of that. And, you know, and God said, yeah, that's all well and good, but yeah, sorry. Still going to do it. Yeah. So, you know, to bring it full circle, I, I think that, you know, one of, one of the great, um, one of the great moments in, in our story of Jesus that kind of ties these, these Christians that say they're Christian, but believe in the whole abortion thing. I think one of the, one of the great scenes in, in, in the gospels is, um, this particular one's in, in Matthew in 34, uh, when the, when the Pharisees and the Sadducees were up and they're listening to Jesus and they're, they're up there, and they had planned to try to trap him. And, and uh, Matthew 34 starts off with this, or I'm sorry, I can't remember what chapter I'm in, but I'm in verse 34. Um, Hearing that Jesus silenced the Sadducees and Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, 
tested him with this question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And so this was an absolute trap. This was an absolute trap for Jesus because anything he said, if he said, well, you know, number one is the most important, well, well, then you're saying that number nine is not important, and you're saying that, that God made a mistake and that, that, you know, one law is better than another law, and, and you know, and they, they were gonna, they, their whole point was to trap him. And Jesus, of course, replied, being the God that he is, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And, you know, those of us who, you know, have studied that before realize that that's all ten commandments rolled up into two. You know, love God, that takes care of one through four. Love your neighbor takes care of five through ten. Yeah. Um, but, and over and over and over again, Jesus said, talking about loving your neighbor, even the disciples asked, well, who's my neighbor? You know, everyone is your neighbor. The entire planet is your neighbor. Um, and so if, you know, Jesus even said, they will know that you are mine by the way you love each other. If all of those things, if it all boils down to love and love and love, love God, love others, how are we loving others by allowing abortion? How are we loving not only the unborn child, but just like you said, that mother who is going to now hate herself, who is going to now go through absolute hell and torment, possibly for the rest of her life, not being able to reconcile what she did. How can I say I love you if I let you go through that? How can I say I love that child if I don't protect it? So, I mean, we're loving both of them by trying to get rid of this horrible thing called abortion. That's what I think. Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes I'm wrong. We lost Kyle. I think he said his computer decided that it needed to restart. Oh, did it? <laughs> <laughs> it was just one of those scheduled things that just decided, hey, now's a good time. Yeah. You're not doing anything, right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he gone. Um, but that's all right. We got a little bit of him. Um Hey, to the tens of listeners that are out there, if you get a chance, uh, make sure you you uh, subscribe to our cha- or our uh, our podcast and even our YouTube channel if you like this. I don't know why you'd want to watch either one of us talk, but hey, whatever. <laughs> um, if you want to subscribe and hit that little dingy dong belly thing, that's great too. Uh, but most important is if you give us a rating uh, and write a little review for us. That's the way other people can find us. That's the other way other people can see uh, if this is something they want to they want to do like always we appreciate you if you want to talk to us by all means give us a shout out uh you can follow us on twitter at exploring t way not the way t way exploring at exploring t way we're on facebook at exploring the way 21 and of course our email address is exploring the way 21 at gmail.com we look forward to seeing you next week till then god bless justin thank you thank you and uh let's call this a wrap absolutely take care guys When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.